0: Good morning everyone, lovely to see you and online, welcome, fabulous to have you with us, thanks for for tuning in, again some uh, at this moment are suffering from colds, flus, COVID or other illnesses, Uh, if that's you we we pray that you will be well soon and back on your feet, Uh, or if you're just in isolation that you get your freedom again soon. Well last week we were talking about kids and families and, and you know those moments when Kids do something that, that at least as a parent, you find equally at the same time horrifying and kind of hilarious. You know those moments? Even if you've never had kids, you know those moments, right? Maybe you've got a niece or a nephew uh, or, or a sibling, or maybe you were that kid who used to be able to just push the boundaries of your family values because you could get away with it by making your parents laugh. Anybody wanna to confess to being that kid? Oh, I see a few hands. I won't name names for the, for the sake of the online people. Well, I had a moment a little bit like this uh, a couple of months ago uh, at my house. And uh, if you don't know uh, us, uh, I'm married to Louise. Uh, we have two beautiful girls, Bethany, who's 14, and Emmy, who's 10. And our daughter Bethany lives with a rare type of cerebral palsy. Now, as many of you know, Bethany is just a beautiful soul. She has this gentle, joyful jubilance about her that makes her an enormous blessing to us and many other people besides. But uh, Beth uh, has two favourite loves in life other than her friends and family, and that is music and books. Don't know where she gets those from, but books. And music. And she has this superpower of memory. She can remember the l- lines from books and lyrics from songs like you wouldn't believe. Just amazing, this superpower. But because of an impairment in some of the other cogs of her mental machinery, uh, Beth uh, struggles sometimes with comprehension and also expressive language, mostly, except. One rainy December morning, sitting at the breakfast bar as I was buttering Beth's toast, she leans forward, big smile on her face, and in full theatrical voice, let's fly with two four letter words. The first was holy, and the second one was not holy at all. And now, I was speechless for a moment because swearing is just not a thing in our household. I don't swear, Louise doesn't swear, our kids never swear. Not to say that we don't have other vices, we certainly do, but swearing is just not a value in our family. It's not a a thing in our family. So my my jaw is in the jam and I'm trying to uh, uh, figure out what just happened. And I say to Beth, Beth, where on earth did you learn that phrase? And I'm trying very, very hard at this stage not to laugh. But I say, Beth, where did you learn that phrase? And by the way, please don't ever say that in church. (laughs) Pastor's kid, blasphemy and cursing all at once. So then Emmy reminds me. You see, we have been listening to the soundtrack of a musical, fabulous musical called Come From Away. Anybody seen Come From Away, heard Come From Away? Now, I know some of you here like us love musical theatre. And some of you would rather have root canal therapy, right? But we're kind of in a museum. And we'd been listening to this soundtrack. And the offending line, that phrase, is, is in the soundtrack. Which, in our defense, to be fair, is generally pretty family friendly. I think it's fair to say. But of course, Beth, with her superpower memory, had squirreled that one away for that particular rainy day. And there it was. Well, maybe you can relate. Maybe you have your own tales to tell, a time when a family member did something or said something which violated your values and maybe it made you laugh like it did me or maybe it just made you mad, maybe you have those moments a little too often, every Christmas, maybe every week, every day, maybe it's just awkward or maybe it makes you hot under the collar, by the way, we laughed and so far Beth has never said it again yet but if she does hope you'll be understanding (laughs) so here's a challenge for us as a church this morning in a rapidly changing culture and society will we continue to open our hearts and our home here at new vine to welcome in newcomers from our community even if they violate our family values Because in our changing world, it's inevitable that if we want new people to join us, they may come from different backgrounds, different worldviews, different generations, different social or cultural groups. And while staying true to our own faith and values, will we also be genuinely hospitable to newcomers who may not think like us, believe like us, or behave like us? I think this is actually. One of the most challenging things for the church in our changing world today. In the new normal in which we find ourselves. That is, as a minority but missional community in a majority post-Christian culture. How will we respond when we are joined by people who may violate our values from time to time will we respond with hospitality not hostility when visitors violate our values well today uh well by the way if you're visiting you're welcome to test us on this um uh, beth could give you a couple of tips on how you could do that perhaps If you are visiting, it's wonderful, and we we hope you feel at home. Let me add my welcome to you. Well, today we're finishing up a series uh, that we've been following over the last month. And in case you missed last week or you can't remember what happened last night, let alone about last week, well, let's have a quick recap. We are walking through a series on the new normal. We've been talking about responding to change at the personal level, change as a church, and responding to the momentous changes going on around us in society. And then last week, we spoke about this powerful moment in the ministry of Jesus, when the disciples are posturing and positioning themselves for greatness and grandeur. And in the middle of it all, Jesus stoops down in the dirt, beckons in a little toddler sets them in the midst of these disciples to give a living object lesson about God's kingdom. As they're dreaming of greatness and grandeur, Jesus allows this little child to challenge the thinking about greatness in God's way of reigning in the world. And by the way, how pertinent is this moment in the Gospels again in view of world events. When an entire country, which is way down the power spectrum from its neighbour, way down the power pole from Caesars and emperors and kings and their right-hand guys, suffers now because of the unchecked ambition of an autocrat seeking to restore an empire long past. That story from the Gospels that we shared about last week is as relevant for leaders today as it was when Jesus told us, told it. Because, Jesus said, that may be how it is amongst earthly power brokers and presidents, but in God's way of ruling and reigning, it's the little ones who matter the most. So Jesus says, want to be great God's way? Give up your ego and ambition and become like this child. And then Jesus adds something very specific about children. He says, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And we noted that in this verse, the word welcome in the Greek is dekemi, which is far more than a friendly smile and a wave, but it refers to the ancient obligation of hospitality, that is to care for, protect, nurture, nourish, sustain, and make welcome in all manner of of ways. So to sum up from last week, the pathway to greatness, God's way, is not ego or ambition. It's humility and hospitality. And today I want to pick up that theme again with a twist on a very familiar tale. And then we'll have Jill and AJ join us for a short conversation about their goals and roles and aspirations for the coming weeks, months and years in the same way that we had Jill uh, sorry Libby and Isaac and Isaac join us last week. But first, to set the scene even if you 're not a regular churchgoer, you'll likely know something of this story, the story of the Good Samaritan. It's an idea that's kind of now etched in our cultural consciousness, isn't it but And it's the idea of helping someone in need when there's nothing whatsoever in it for you in return. Maybe even it hurts or costs to help someone else. But the original story is pregnant with racial tension and religious self-righteousness. You see, in context, this story is full of subtext. That means that what's going on around it Sets up what's being said below the surface of the text, and the context is this: that at this point in the story of Jesus, the religious leaders and the experts in the law of Moses, the the Jewish laws of old, they're starting to face off with this upstart rabbi who's winning over the masses, Jesus. And Jesus, in the immediate moment, sorry, and in the immediate moments before Jesus tells this story. One of these experts in the minutia of Moses' law sidles up to Jesus to size up Jesus. And his question sounds innocent enough, but below is the subtext of a trap. What must I do to inherit eternal life, Rabbi, he says. Now, Jesus may have been born in a feed trough, but he wasn't born there yesterday. So he turns the tables on the lawyer and answers a question with a question. All right, you're the legal expert. You tell me, what is the essence of the law? Now, uh, the lawyer replies, love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor like you love you. And Jesus might have been happy at this stage to just give a good grade and move on. But the lawyer isn't done. Instead, as one scholar has translated it, wanting to win the point, the lawyer asks essentially What are the local government area limits? What are the state boundaries around the love that I have to show to my neighbor? Where does the boundary around my neighbors end? Surely it's got to be those who are righteous like me, the Pharisees maybe, and perhaps the priests and the Levites and those who are kind of like me. But surely I don't have to love Anyone out beyond those boundaries? Surely they're not not my neighbors because they stand under the judgment and anger of God. Right, Rabbi? But Jesus isn't going to trip into the trap. Instead, he tells a tale. And we know the story. A traveler alone on a desert road, that's the Jericho road. That's not him, by the way. Um, There's two of them. If you were sharp, you'd probably pick that up. And, and it's a photograph, uh, which probably wasn't something the Good Samaritan was carrying, a, a camera. Uh, so a traveller on a desert road, 17 miles, many a twist and turn, hillside shadows and hidey holes, and the traveller is beaten by brigands. It's a great word, isn't it, brigands? I just had to put it in there. Beaten by brigands and left bloody and bruised by the roadside. Some guys, you'd expect to be good guys, come past, but it's either too inconvenient or too defiling, for them to stop. And here, Jesus is sliding in a little subtext of his own. This law-keeping, it's all very good, isn't it? Until you stop caring for people, which is the essence of the law, isn't it, Rabbi? Anyway, the real sting in Jesus' tale, however, is that the hero of the story is someone that the lawyer could not, would not, Sam I am, love, but would only loathe. A despised Samaritan stops, tends the bloody traveller, presumably a Jew, takes him to the local inn, pays in advance and promises to pick up the tab for any additional expenses when he next happens past. And so Jesus' point in the story is both clear and and well-known. Your neighbour isn't just the one who looks like you, thinks like you, acts like you, believes like you. And behaves like you. A true neighbour is one who will cross to the other side of the religious, cultural and social road to put love into action, even for an enemy. Got it? Okay. Well, I just want to pick up briefly on an often overlooked part of this parable. The inn... And the innkeeper. Ever given much thought to the inn or the innkeeper in this parable? Well, it looks on the surface like Jesus doesn't give a lot of attention to it either. But if you dig a little deeper, there's a lesson to learn. So, shovels ready? Here we go. Quick quiz. Who remembers what this word means? I gave you a revision just before. Anybody? Decamai means... Welcome, hospitality, to accept, to welcome, and to show hospitality to. Excellent, thank you, well done. And as it happens, uh, decamai, this word, is a particularly important word in Luke's account of the life and teaching of Jesus, in Luke's gospel. Luke uses this word, decamai, to contrast with its opposite, which is that, I'm not even going to say that for you. It's that one. But that word, or that phrase, means not to accept and to welcome, but to reject. And uh, we don't have time to sort of unpack all of this, but in short, Luke throughout his gospel wants to contrast these two ideas. Those who accept Jesus versus those who reject Jesus, the religious leaders, the self-righteous sort of Pharisees, etc., those who respond with hospitality versus those who respond with hostility. And in this case, not just to Jesus, but to all of those that Jesus says represent him. So because by welcoming Jesus, sorry, by welcoming those people, we also welcome Jesus. And the flip side is by rejecting those people, we also reject Jesus. So that's a theme in Luke's gospel. Okay, stick with me here. This is the important bit. In the story of the Good Samaritan, this word "decamai" appears again, but this time it's in the subtext. Actually, this time it's in the Greek text. It's in the word in, in the Greek. With me? Okay. Let me show you what that all means. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn. And inn, in the Greek, pandokion, is a combination of words. Two words. Firstly, pan, which means all or everyone from the Greek word pass, and decamai. Now, it looks different in pandokion, Uh, That's just because it's a different form of the same word. But it's a combination of those two words. And it means, therefore, that a Pandokian, an inn, is a place of hospitality to all, to everyone. It's a place of open hospitality, a place that receives and welcomes all travelers. And as uh, biblical scholars like uh, Olivia uh, uh, Constable here, says Pandocians or these ancient inns, they took in guests from all walks of life and were, thus sh- and, thus sh- and were thus shared spaces familiar to pagans, Jews, and Christians throughout the Eastern Mediterranean in late antiquity. Okay, so what? Well, it was precisely because inns were places that represented hospitality to all that some of the early church fathers like St. Augustine interpreted the inn in the story of the Good Samaritan to represent the church. In other words, Jesus is the one who brings people to the church, people who are bloody and beaten and bruised by life and sin and life in a sinful world. He brings them to the church to look after as a place of rest, recovery, and healing. And so the ancient saints like Augustine say, the church is the inn in this parable. And Jesus is like the, well, he's kind of like the innkeeper. There was a bit of a debate amongst some of the fathers about whether Jesus was the innkeeper or the Good Samaritan, but mostly they landed on the Good Samaritan. And Martin Luther, Luther, if it matters to you, had an interpretation very much similar that it was the Christian community that was the in in this story. It's kind of an allegorical reading of the text. Now, all of this doesn't take away from Jesus' own point that we're to love in practical, concrete, and compelling ways those that we would ordinarily find unlovable. Ukrainians loving Russians at the moment. Palestinians loving Israelis and vice versa. But thinking about the parable like this adds a challenge to us, not just as individuals, but it adds a challenge to us as the church. And the challenge is, will we be a Pandocian, a place of hospitality to all who Jesus would bring our way? Are we genuinely open to all comers? Will we tend to those brought to our doors with love, mercy, grace, no matter who they were, how battered, bruised, or bloody they are, and whether they believe like us or behave like us. Well, the biblical scholar Tom Wright puts it this way: What is at stake, he says, is the question of whether we will use the God-given re- revelation of love and grace as a way of boosting our own sense of isolated security and purity, or whether we will see it as a call and challenge to extend that love and grace to the whole world. To sharpen the pencil just a little bit more, will we continue to open our hearts and homes here at New Vine to welcome in our community, even if they violate our family values from time to time? Because as I said, in our changing world, it's inevitable. While staying true to our faith and values, will we also be genuinely hospitable to newcomers who may not think like us, worship like us, believe like us, or behave like us, but who are brought to us by our Lord. Well, with that challenge sort of ringing in our ears and hanging in the air, Last week we talked to Libby, Isaac and Isaac from our Families and Next Generations team, which was fabulous. And today we're going to hear from Jill and AJ, if you'd like to come on up. We were also going to hear from Luke, but unfortunately Luke has got some uh, cold-like symptoms and it was wisest today that he stay at home. So Luke may be joining us via live, well watching the live stream, but not joining us uh, today. So, oh gosh, thanks guys, thanks so much, the newlyweds. the newlyweds indeed, congratulations guys, yeah, how about a round of applause for our newlyweds here, thank you. all right, beautiful, let me just pull that over, uh, Jill, AJ, grab a seat there, thanks Chloe too, is that going to be in the way for anyone if I leave that there, probably, I'll move over a little bit, well Jill, AJ, hi, welcome, Sorry that um, Luke can't be with us, Luke. If you're watching, I uh, wish you were here. Uh, Jill, uh, firstly, if I could start with you, uh, as many new viners who were once upon a time newcomers know, uh, you're kind of the the oil and uh, the uh, overseer of our kind of welcoming ministry here at New Vine. Uh, tell us what you think, uh, where you think we are at the moment as a church when it comes to providing. Uh, welcome and hospitality of the kind we've been talking about as a church and uh, helping all comers find a welcome here at New Vine. Where do you think we are and maybe where would you like to see us go as a church?
1: Big question. Um, I feel like we're a little bit way back at the beginning again Um, so I think COVID has hit us quite hard in that way and therefore we got into the habit of signing people in, trying to protect people look after their safety, things like that, which has been great Um, but in amongst that we've missed that just bright hello. Someone said to me today, oh I feel like people have their eyes down instead of up so I would really love to see us be able to have our eyes up yes, still grab people's details because that's important for care generally but just to start to um, engage more with people again, which would be great. I, I looked around this morning and I thought, there's all these newer people and I thought, I haven't seen them without their masks. <laughs> so I'm went over, i over here and I'm thinking, oh, who's that? And I thought, oh, I didn't know he had a beard. <laughs> Did he have one or not? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I would really love to see us, all of us, be more welcoming in that um, case, but I am building our welcome team again. So, if that's something that is part of your heart, I'd love to hear from you. And I already have a few people that have mentioned that recently. So, um, I'm getting a team together to roster them on. It may sound a bit unfriendly, um, but we want people to, from the moment they step out of their cars, to come in and to be welcomed and to know that this is a friendly place. So, yeah. Yeah. that's step one is to build that team again and, and also just to remind everybody else that remind you what it was like when you first walked in the doors yeah. you know yeah because we, we forget don't we We do we, forget we, it's we familiar sort of we see and... a friend oh that oh we see that yep. we you know get distracted but
0: it's, it's got to be one of the scariest things you could ever do right walk into a room especially if you have a little bit of social anxiety to walk into a room full of strangers first time and particularly if you're not used to church and you don't know what are they even doing there is it going to be kind of weird and <sighs> It and must we are be, a bit weird. It must I take mean, a lot of... Yeah, that's I true. Mean,
1: where else do you go and sing and raise your hand yeah. or do things like that? So, but it's a
0: courageous thing to do, isn't
1: it? Oh, it is. Yeah. So good on you all for coming in that first time. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: and, and yeah. coming back. Yes, and
1: coming And you. coming back again. They're and, the tricky things. And
0: Jill, things. a few weeks ago, as a staff team, we, we identified five key objectives for the, the first sort of six months of the year through to July. And one of them was to... Um, I'm not going to go through them all, uh, but we're working hard at them. We've got key results and things that we're making really good progress on. But one of them was to wow families with our welcome. Um, what, what do you think is some of the challenge for us as a church right now in wowing people? with? It? So going beyond just a, a, a kind of a, a friendly welcome to something that's next level, what are some of the challenges for us?
1: Um, the challenges are time, often, right. I think. People going am I going to engage with this? I am busy, I have kids, we have to go to sport, we have to do this. Or even just that nervousness of engaging um, and us being able to engage other people. So, yeah, I just... uh, I would love to see people in that first few weeks going, yes, I think I would like to join a life group. Oh, yes. um, You know, and for those of us that have been around a while, inviting someone to have a coffee, you know? It costs us very little time, but I really love us to be more than a friendly church. I want right. people to come in and start to feel like they belong. And they connecting. To feel, and, connecting. Yeah, they know yep. some people. They're not coming in and going, I don't know anyone. They're coming yeah. in and going, oh, she's part of my life group. Or, oh, we went down to the pub the other day and had a beer together, yeah, you know. Yeah. Just that sense of this is their place yeah. or this is our place
0: because i mean let's say that the sunday morning setting is not a great one for you know building close relationships really is it it's sort of about other things that are important but um but it's often kind of small talk afterwards or you can't go too far because you've got to get home to whatever it might be so those things outside of sundays are so important are they like life groups Yeah.
1: And particularly homes. You know, yeah. there's lovely. I had a, the privilege of going to Vanessa's place recently, you know, and Vanessa's new at a church, yeah. but it's lovely to come into somebody's home and be welcomed and doors open up. You see photos, you talk about family, you meet family.
0: Yeah.
1: It's something lovely Indeed. about
0: it. Now, AJ, you mentioned something about uh, how we want people to feel welcome from the moment they step out of their car. Um, we've been talking about how you know, the, their, their, their sense of welcome starts in the car park, even in the driveways. Tell us about some of the things um, uh, as part of your role that, uh, that what we're doing to, to take that welcome outside, if you like, uh, to people in the, the car park and beyond.
2: Excellent. Before I do that, can I just say a big cheering you on with the lead that you've given us straight away here. Uh, it's been a wild ride for us, but uh, just, uh, I just appreciate it. It's an even wilder ride for you, and, and I'm just so thrilled with you, know, you stepping up and into this role and uh, this season of church life. It just feels like God's bringing together a bunch of stuff. So thank you for your leadership. It's brilliant.
0: Thanks, yeah. AJ, and yeah. thank you. And, and right back at you. It's a fabulous <laughs> team, and AJ, you've been an absolute champion through all of this, and you continue to be. So yeah, yeah. maybe tell us about so, some of the things um, you're focusing on.
2: Yeah, practically speaking, obviously, it's great to build a building uh, and welcome people to it. It's great if that building has resources that can be used during the week and all of that sort of stuff. But when you actually uh, do your homework, you realise that it takes about one square metre per person to put them in a room like this. But it takes about 30 or 40 square metres out there for a a modern person to turn up to something. And so we've realised that our whole car parking arrangements, you know, when we looked with fresh eyes, was something that uh, needed... a needed attention. We have plenty of space by God's grace and your generosity and our hard work. We have uh, one and a half hectares of land here, but we're not using it particularly well. So we're really just trying to make sure that right from, right from the moment people drive in the driveway, um, that there's places there for them. We're sort of getting our head around how we're using our car parks at the moment. And again, thank you for those this morning that saw some cars up on the grass and thought, what was it? I could park there. <laughs> well, weather permitting, uh, <laughs> La Nina might cause us some problems if we get a lot of rain. But we've got 20 or 30 um, you know, car parks there if you're physically able to that we can use out on the field. So we're hoping that uh, we just get into a rhythm where we've got people uh, out there and welcoming people right from as soon as they cross into our property. Yeah. So, uh,
0: AJ, if I can just take a little bit of a detour away from this part of the conversation for a moment. You're also uh, working a lot at the moment on our... New Church Constitution. Yeah. Um, Can you, uh, firstly, thank you. Can you bring us uh, up to date, firstly for newcomers, um, what the backstory is to this new constitution and for new viners, where all that's up to?
2: Yeah, sure. So part of uh, what we've been uh, thinking through last year, the backstory was that we actually employed DJ um, as a consultant uh, one day a week last week to help us think about how we restructure uh, and and. Take on the challenges you know of this next season for us as a church, admitting that for probably ten years we feel like we 've been a bit stuck and uh, and, a, and a fair bit of that needs to sit on the in the responsibility of myself and Paul Whiting, who were the founding pastors and church planters here of Newvine. We kind of feel like our gift mix sort of has got us to where we are, but you know with with just sober evaluation, you know um, probably the church is perhaps eroded a little bit in its influence uh, from where we were 10 years ago. So we we saw in DJ a skill set to help us kind of think that stuff through. Um, and of course, one of the weird things that happened through that that none of us saw coming was actually moving um, myself out of that lead kind of role, pushing Paul out into ministry that's more involved with our whole network of churches and asking DJ whether he would consider being our lead pastor. So this has been quite a wild ride. Um, But what it has meant is that a bunch of that structural stuff, uh, DJ doesn't now have um, arm's length trading with it uh, (laughs) as our lead pastor. So over the last couple of months, I've been taking the lead in taking the constitutional stuff, how we structure ourselves moving forward from a governance point of view, uh, taking the lead on shaping that. So members will have seen our, our draft that we put out in November. We received a bunch of feedback from that from both leaders in the church and members of the church, and I've been sort of uh, tabulating that, trying to work out where the, where changes need to be, and we're just getting ready to pull out a new draft that takes all of those things into consideration. So uh, we'll have our AGM, all things being equal, in April, uh, and we will hopefully adopt a new constitution that will be a bit slimmer um, and also have alongside of it our sort of first governance policy document that fleshes a bunch of that out. Now, I know a bunch of you heard blah, 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 so I'll shut up now, but it's moving forward. Thank you so much. It's such
0: important work. Thank you. Uh, and for working with the lead team so closely on that, uh, AJ. Jill, just to sum up now, what would you say are your, your broader hopes and aspirations for us at New Vine in 2022 and beyond? Ooh. Can you dream a little for us?
1: Can I dream? I, I can. I, I want us to be excited about being here. I want both the people that have been here for a long, long time and those that are new, I want us to be excited about being here. I want us to be connected, whether that be through ministry and all getting on board together, whether that be through a global trip, whether that be in a life group. I want to see New Vine grow bigger but also smaller, just in that connection. So, um, yeah, I, I'm i excited about what can be, you know, what can be, um, I suppose, some of those things we've seen before, but some of those things that we haven't ever seen, you know, us going to the, the next level and um, not just be about programs, but using programs to draw people in, you know. Wouldn't it be great to have Alpha again, where people can come and seek and... Um, yeah parenting courses and marriage courses. You know, marriage is the, the smallest unit of, of us as a church. And um, I think when we put effort into things like our marriages... When we're strong there. Yeah, when we're strong there and when we get stronger all over. So, yes, I, I want to see us vibrant. I want to see us excited about where we're going and that sense of
0: excitement. Amen. And uh, uh, our strategic framework... Um, which we developed last year, is simple. It's reach, grow, and everything in love. Reach, grow, and everything in love. And that's that grow bigger, but also grow deeper by growing kind of smaller into those, those community groups, those life groups, small groups and things. So uh, thank you, thank you. Before you go, uh, I just want to put three challenges out picking up on what you've shared this morning, uh, largely, and also uh, in this theme of hospitality and welcome. And the first one, just practical things. Um, Maybe you could invite someone to the upcoming series, which starts next Sunday. It's a series called A God You Can Believe In, Faith, Hope, and Love in a World Which is Losing It. Uh, And it's intended for those who are exploring faith or struggling with faith or questioning their faith or doubting, Um, or just want uh, some inspiration uh, in their faith again. So I'd encourage you to think about who can you invite, and we will do our best. It's a work in progress, but we will do our best to be as welcoming as possible if you are able to bring someone along next week or beyond from your family or social circles. And secondly, maybe you'd like to invite someone for a meal. This picks up what um, uh, Jew was saying about inviting someone for a coffee or a meal. And uh, perhaps we could restart Vine Dining For those who have been with us for a while will remember this thing called Vine Dining where we'd match up uh, people to host and people uh, who were new perhaps looking to connect and make some friends and looking to connect those again. So if you would like to host someone but you don't know who or you'd like to be hosted by someone, get to know someone um, but you don't know how, maybe you could email us. At inquiries, or Jill, what's the best way to do that?
1: Yes, are we going to set a date for a vine dining? Is that what you've wanted to?
0: I think not one date, (laughs) because of COVID, and and people are still a bit hesitant, maybe at the moment. What about between now and Easter?
1: Okay, sounds. I think email us at inquiries at newvine.org.au. We will gather names, we'll gather people together, and maybe make you a little uncomfortable putting you with someone you don't really know. So, oh gosh, that's a bit of a challenge, I know, but... Um,
0: or, if you know someone that you've been thinking, oh, we really should have them over, now, maybe now's the moment, uh, so grab hold of that. So, invite someone to the upcoming series, we'll do our best to try and welcome them, and I'll try and do my best with the preaching, and invite someone to a meal. And thirdly, maybe join a ministry which helps us provide that hospitality and welcome to all. And there's a few ideas up there. On the screen. By the way, thanks to everyone who responded last week and signed up for ministry. uh, Sorry, kids and and uh, our young people ministry. Also, a massive thanks to those of you who've already given to our call out uh, to help with the kids courtyard out the back. There, we've had a very generous uh, offer to donate the turf, which is a huge expense, Uh, and also we've had other donations as well to help cover the other expenses. You know who you are. We are so grateful for you. Thank you for those generous donations and support there. But uh, there are other ways to serve as well. If, if kids ministry um, uh, isn't something that you at this moment feel called to, then there are some other ideas here as well. Would you put your hands together with me for Jill and AJ? Thanks so much, team. And we're going to wrap this up. So... At the start, I talked about this musical, Come From Away. Who's seen it again? Okay, Fee's seen it. Good on you, Fee. Well, now, apart from adding some four-letter words to our family's lexicon, Come From Away is a fabulous story. It's the story of a small town called Gander in Newfoundland, Canada. Hard to say that, isn't it? Newfoundland in Canada. And uh, it's based around September 11, 2001 when America closed its airspace to all, but all non-military aircraft after the Twin Towers and Pentagon tragedy. In the immediate aftermath, 38 flights that were in the air at the time were diverted to this small town in Canada because, for historical reasons, it had a disproportionately large airport. And those 38 flights carried close to 7,000 passengers. And they landed in a town with not many more people in its population. So Gander and the surrounding towns had nowhere near enough hotels, restaurants, uh, cafes and clothes shops to cater for nearly 7,000 people, many of whom were traumatized, grief-stricken, heartbroken and psychologically beaten and bruised. So in an act of immense hospitality, this town of Gander and the surrounding towns opened their homes, opened their pantries, opened their wallets and their wardrobes and their hearts to these nearly 7,000 passengers. And as the mayor of the town in the musical says, on the first day, we had 7,000 strangers. By the middle of the week, we had 7,000 friends, and by the end, we had 7,000 family members. This small Canadian town became one massive Pandokian, one massive place of hospitality to all. Wow, what if our memory could squirrel away that lyric? (laughs) But also that level of hospitality New Vine, let me ask you this. If a small community in Newfoundland, Canada can do it, how much more can a small church community in Newcastle, Australia, provide that kind of immense welcome? How much more the inn of Jesus, the great innkeeper, and what's more, the great good Samaritan You see, while I love the image from the church fathers of the church as the Pandokian where all are welcomed, I think it's actually true only in the secondary sense. What I mean is this, that in my view, it's the cross that is the great Pandokian because it's the cross that is the great place of divine welcome to all. It is the cross which is the place of divine hospitality, the place of healing and restoration and recovery and reconciliation. It's the cross which reconciles races and nations and social classes because ultimately it's through the cross that we find reconciliation to our heavenly father. So the church becomes a Pandocian, precisely when it is a community marked and defined by the cross of Christ. That's when it becomes a place of welcome to all. That's when we become a place of hospitality, where people are accepted, not rejected, where people find hospitality and not hostility. And the church is this place of welcome, this place marked by the cross at no greater time Than when it gathers around the communion table, around the bread and wine which remind us of and symbolize this cross of Christ. If you're visiting, communion is a time when we together take two symbols, crackers or flatbread, to represent the body of Christ broken on the cross, and wine or grape juice to represent the blood which Jesus shed while on the cross. Blood also shed by brigands, not on a road to Jericho, but a hill outside Jerusalem. Brigands not lurking in the hillsides or hidey holes, but in the halls of autocracy and empire. Brigands who would shed blood by waging wars or by insisting on the letter of the old laws, by grasping at greatness or resenting changes. And in this blood shed by brigands and bullies came the ultimate act of rejection, a murderous rejection of the God that many claimed to worship. Indeed, instead of welcoming God in Christ. They murdered Christ in God's name. And in many ways, that's true of all of us. But here's the genius in it all. In that ultimate act of hostility and non hospitality, Christ secured our welcome. Because through that great act of divine hospitality, on that great weapon of hostility, God welcomed, welcomed us, home. Bloody, beaten, bruised, traumatized, grief-stricken. He threw open the doors of his heavenly home and his father's heart. And served up a banquet of unsurpassed, immense hospitality. By comparison, that little town of Gander, like the story of the Good Samaritan, offers us only a parable, an echo, a pointer to the divine example and calling to welcome and hospitality. But perhaps both Gander and the story of the Good Samaritan give us a glimpse Of what the church could be. A place of welcome to all. Well, I started this series talking about wine. And we're going to finish this series talking about wine. In fact, not just talking about wine, but taking it. And by taking it in remembrance, identifying our resolve to be a community Of welcome and hospitality which is marked by and defined by the great welcome of God in Jesus Christ soon we're going to come and take these these symbols of all of that but let me pray Lord Jesus in remembrance of you at the cross you the great innkeeper you the great good Samaritan You, the one who welcomed us all. Lord, as we take and eat, may we not only remember that welcome secured by your broken body and blood. May it cause us to resolve to be people defined by decamai and marked by hospitality, the welcome, acceptance, and hospitality of the cross. And Lord, indeed, may this church become a place where all find a welcome which wows them, a family which awaits them, and a love that holds and heals them, no matter how bloody and beaten and bruised they may be. A place, Lord, where we welcome all whom you would bring home. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you follow or you want to follow Jesus, if you think you may want to follow Jesus, then come. Take a piece of the the crackers which represent the bread and some juice representing the wine. Uh, Take them back to your seats uh, and, and in your own time as the music team plays, take, eat in remembrance of Jesus. And feel free to pray along with the song that God would take this wine, this season, this new normal, to bring about a new wine in and through your life and through our church at New Vine. And if you want to start a journey with Jesus, then come and speak with one of us in this time. Or reach out in the coming days. We would love to pray with you and walk with you in those first steps or your first steps in a while with Jesus. And if you're watching the live stream, then you can hit the prayer button now And someone would love to pray with you as well. Otherwise, invite someone to church next week. Invite someone to your home. uh, And join us as we make this place uh, a place of irresistible welcome to all.